This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Keep Screaming, a podcast where two best friends dissect horror movies one by one. Uh, my name is Ryan Larson. This is my co-host, B-Bass. Hi. We are here just about a day late, unfortunately. <laughs> um, we got our lines crossed. I thought we were watching a movie called Intruder from the 80s, and B thought we were watching April Fool's Day, which if we had discussed. listen to our last episode, okay. Ryan says Okay, I do we're... say that. But after the episode was over, she was like, I thought we should do that as a bonus episode. And I was like, that's a good idea. And then we got busy, so we couldn't do it. So I thought we were skipping it and doing Intruder instead. And then he texted me that. And I'm like, Intruder, what is that movie? I've never even heard of it. <laughs> that's Where? not true. I've mentioned that movie to her. She is lying. I'm not lying. I will go through our text messages. It was never discussed as our film, though. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. You for made some it reason, up. For some reason, I really thought it, I bought it like on Blu-ray because I was like, oh, we're going to watch this movie. I don't know. Um, ben was like, what is he talking about? I even know you're watching April Fool's Day. Yeah, I don't know why I don't. I thought you were fucking with me, and I was starting to get really annoyed with no. you. I was uh, sitting on the couch, like, really annoyed. I was like, oh, fucking Ryan's driving me crazy. Um, WrestleMania happened, and my mind got Ugh. all fuzzy, and I don't, I don't know. If this is your first time, sorry. <laughs> uh, what we do is every two weeks we come to you with a new slasher movie. We're looking at that genre specifically. Uh, it is our favorite subgenre of the horror uh, like genre as a whole. So we look at a different slasher every two weeks and completely dissect that movie. At the end of the podcast, we'll put it on our list, which you can find at keepscreaming.com. You can also find us online um, on Twitter. We're at ScreamingCast, as well as Instagram. B is on Twitter as B-not-B. That's B-E-E-not-B-E-A. And I'm on Twitter at Ryan Larson. So you can find us at all those different social media outlets. If you ever want to contact us or suggest anything or just tell us we're doing a good job. And if we're doing a bad job, don't tell us. I don't really care. Uh, Just don't listen to the podcast. And then you can go to iTunes and rate, review, subscribe. We're also on Stitcher as well as CastBox, so all of those different places were permeating the internet. Every episode we do start off with a pop culture check-in, though, and that's where we kind of just talk about different things that we've been watching or viewing that maybe are outside of the horror scope uh, to let you guys know kind of what our interests are outside of that. Uh, I don't know what B... Ah, there we go. She wrote her things in. Okay. Oh my god, you finally watch Very Bad Things. I did! Oh my god. I finally did it. Okay, it happened. well we have to start with bees because I'm very interested in this. Okay, so I think, was it last episode, I shared the story of um, how mean I am to my husband and all of our friends are because he thinks that the movie Very Bad Things from 1996 is super famous. Like, everybody knows what it is, and I'm... I mean, no, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows what that movie is. None of us. And, like, I have watched a lot of movies, and my friend, our friend Jeremy, has watched a lot of movies, and every time, we're always like, I don't know what that movie is. So, he finally, one of these nights, he was, like, putting on something when we went to bed, and it was, like, paused, so I knew he was, like, waiting, and I was like, what is this? And he's like, guess. And I just look at it, I'm like, it's very bad things. And he's like, yup. So we started, by the way, it took us like three days to watch it because that's how we watch movies these days. We start it, we fall asleep, we start it again. Um, It is not what I was expecting. It is not a comedy. It is a very, very dark comedy thriller. Oh, weird. Uh, I did not expect that all from the cover or from the cast. Yes. No, and it's a bunch of like... It's John Favreau, Cameron Diaz, Christian Slater, Jeremy Piven. Oh, so comedy uh, actors. It's literally comedy actors. It's like a very fucked up movie. <laughs> all of these, I mean, the name is just so appropriate. They just all do very bad things. And the whole, literally the synopsis is a prostitute is killed during a bachelor party and the attendees turn on each other as the wedding approaches. And so, like, John Favreau's character is getting married to Cameron Diaz, and they go to Vegas. 
Jeremy Piven's character accidentally kills this prostitute, and then they just start making some really bad decisions and like their true colors come out and i just kept looking at ben like with my mouth open like what is happening it just goes in so many batshit crazy directions and it's funny in the way that you're like of course this is happening of course these characters are doing this um it is definitely like hella gory super gory uh this is like a true thriller for sure. So weirdly in line with, uh, that's like fringe horror for sure. It's kind of, you find things to like about it as a horror fan. Interesting. Um, I, they kind of like ended it. They have like an extra scene. You think the movie ends and then you go to like an additional two minutes. And I think I would have liked the movie a lot more if they didn't have that like extra two minutes. It should have ended where I thought it was going to end, but I mean, it was pretty good. I mean, it was definitely, like, dark and twisted and not, like, a buddy bachelor comedy that you want to return to a lot. But I'm, I mean, I'm glad I watched it. It was interesting. Um, it is truly, so that Rough Night movie, which is a comedy. Like, it's they, them killing a prostitute's, like, a comedic thing. Mm-hmm. This, in this movie, them killing a prostitute shows, like, brings out the worst in all of these characters. And then they just keep doing shittier they do worse things than kill a prostitute lovely yeah so it is kind of interesting because i watched rough night i'm like yeah it's like they took this idea and they're like but we're really gonna make it a comedy um yeah did you like it yeah i did interesting i liked it i'll have to finally watch it yeah i i mean i like i said i'm like not bummed that i watched it i thought it was an interesting music music it's an interesting music movie i did enjoy it it just was not what i was expecting at all with the cast and the fact that i know ben's taste and it's usually like really goofy Mm -hmm. like that's i thought it was i always thought especially he was he always just described it as like it's a movie with christian slater and they kill like prostitute and i was like that sounds like a comedy yeah and they're you know kind of got labeled like the original hangover but it's not like, whatsoever. Interesting. It's way too dark and twisted for that. So, Ryan, you'll have to watch it. Yeah. I think it was like, th- we rented out on Amazon. It was like, it's like three, three bucks. Yeah, probably. it was like yeah, three all bucks. All those old movies are $3. Um, I didn't watch too much this week. Super busy. My work is crazy right now. Um, had some family stuff. Um, but I did start Dawson's Creek. Whoop, whoop. Which is on Hulu. Yeah. Um, and I realized that I haven't seen it since... Like, pre-high school. Oh, Like, wow. ten years ago. Um, and I would watch it. I can't remember what channel it was, but, like, USA or TBS or one of them would do, uh, like, two... TBS did reruns. Yeah, yeah. so it'd yeah. be, like, two episodes a day, and they always kept it in order. So, I don't even know if I've ever seen the first season. I came in at some point and then watched all the way through because I, like, recorded it. So, I don't really have a good memory for it. Oh, my God. Kevin... So, Kevin Williamson, uh-huh. uh, who wrote Scream... Screen. And um, I know what you did. Um, Vampire Diaries. Vampire Diaries, yeah. So he was, he's the re- creator. He's the creator. Yeah, so yes. he's the creator of Dawson's Creek. And oh my God, he loves to put posters of his movies in this show. <laughs> yeah. There are so many, like, then it keeps moving. I know what you did last summer. There's a poster of it twice in the pilot. And then now throughout the first season, it keeps popping up in different places. I love it. I think it's hilarious. Um, but no, it's a great a great teen drama. It is, to me, like 100%. You can see the building blocks for like the OC and, yes. Gilmore, and Gilmore Girls. Yes, you Like can. that very fast, mm-hmm. witty, pop culture and you dated yeah. like back and forth. Young people talking in ways that young people don't really yes. talk in. Um, it does have tons of OC vibes, just not mm-hmm. in the OC. Yep. Um, a little more like Southern values. Yes. Um, but it, it does remind me of the OC a lot. And I just watching it know why you love it so much because you are Dawson. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. I I've, like watching this. I'm like, oh, this is Ryan. This is why he loves the show because he was like the nerdy film geek. In high school, and like the true romantic, and nobody understood that. So. I relate with Dawson a lot. Yes, yeah. that's very true, and that's definitely one of the reasons I love it. Um, also, I just 
pretty much everything Kevin Williamson writes, I enjoy. Yeah, he just knows what we like. I, I'm a huge, huge Vampire Diaries fan. Obviously, we're massive Scream fans. Yep. Um, so Kevin Williamson, like, he did something. So it was Creek Week, um, which was the 20th anniversary. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and that was, like, two weeks ago. Yeah. And he was interviewed, and the cast all did, like, a photo shoot together. And, you know, of course, everybody wants them to, like, do a remake or bring it back. And I just really liked what he said about it. He was just like, you know, I wrote that in a time in my life where that was where my head was at, where my thought process was at, where these characters related to my life in some way. And I'm just not in that place in my life. So I don't even think I could write for the show anymore. Like, I don't know what story I would tell. Wouldn't be it wouldn't be true to that world. And I just thought that was, like, really important to know that you know your work and you know when to say it's done mm-hmm. and not just – because, you know, that'd be, like, a huge cash cow. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure most of the cast would be into doing it. Oh, yeah. Um, they're all very yeah, close friends. Yeah, they're all still very close friends. So I, I just really appreciate when – a creator, an artist, whatever they are, can say, like, no, it has its place, and that's where it's going to stay. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm having a lot of fun watching it. Um, and then I watched some, like, random things here and there, but the only other one I'll talk about is Ryan and I went and saw Ready Player One. Yeah. Last week, we both read the book by Ernest Cline. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Spielberg yeah. made the movie, and it's super different. Way different. It's like I mean, it's not. It's not like you're like it's. It's not one of those things where you're like, oh, they use the basic story and framework, but like they completely change everything. But there are a lot of like big changes. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot that's still the same, but there's a lot of big changes too. So I think they did a good job, and Ernest Klein helped adapt it. Yes, I think they said for film, this is going to work better, and for. Steven Spielberg, there's a lot of references to his work in the book, and so they took those out mm-hmm. because, I mean, they have, like, a few here and there, but it'd be really weird for Steven Spielberg to make this type of, like, homage to the 80s and pop culture and then just basically being like, look, I was so important then, and yep. look how important I am to pop culture. It'd I, be kind of weird. I'm really happy that he's not that self-indulgent yeah. person because you could easily be. Yeah. It's like, oh, I could easily see them being like, oh, the director returns to his classics. Yeah. But Spielberg's like, no, I'm good. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to do that again. Like, we are making this movie, and it's about this movie, and... I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the more I sit on it, the more I liked yeah. it. At first, it was kind of a shock yeah. watching it. Because I was like, I don't really... I got to have time to separate myself from the book. Because I did enjoy it. But it was so hard. Because it was... Like, there's literally scenes in the movie that don't exist in the book. Yeah, big time. Like, big things. And so I was just like, oh my god. Like, I don't know how to process this. And then it was. Like, the more I sat down and thought of it just as its own, I'm just like, god, that was really good. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely parts from the book that they cut that I'm happy that they cut. Mm -hmm. Like, weird kind of problematic things like, oh, a girl breaks up with me, so I'm just going to get, like, super fit. Yeah. I'm really glad they didn't do that with Ty Sheridan's character. Because, like, he... He did, like, put on a little weight for the role because that's what the character calls for. And so, I like, when I was watching it, because I've seen him in other movies. He plays Cyclops in, like, X-Men First Class. Um, and he, he's been in a couple, like, little, like, indie thrillers. So I was like, oh, he's not normally that big. Not that he was big, but, like, you could tell. Like, he put he weight on his face. Soft. Yeah. So I was like, are they going to include that scene? And they never did. And I was really happy with that because I thought, like, there was just some, like, male wish fulfillment stuff that happens in the book that gets a little wonky um and and spielberg kind of just really glances over it and doesn't focus on that which i definitely liked um love the cast i thought they were all great the cg was insane like it's a beautiful film yeah it was nuts i just there was part of me that i realized after we walked out i was like oh like it was kind of weird because the cg was so good like it didn't and because, you know, it's going back and forth between CG and real. So, but the CG is so good, it didn't pull me out of the movie. Like, when they're f- swapping back and forth. 
Yeah, I think it's really was important. And I was kind of thinking, like, how are they going to do this other virtual, this movie, the book really takes place in a virtual world, not, it's barely in the real world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so how are they going to do that without it just seeming like you're watching an animated movie? Um, and they did a really good job with it. I like told my boss, he has a like 15 year old son and I was like, Oh, like you should take your son to go see it. And like, I know like he, they like this type of stuff and he's like a sci-fi fan and stuff. I'm like, I think you'll really like it. I'm like, I think Colin will like it. And then I think you'll like it cause you'll get all the references. Yeah. Um, cause he's younger. And so he went and he's like, Oh yeah, Colin and I like him and his son both really liked it. Um, so I think it, that's one of the joys of it because of the subject matter. It is kind of like a love letter to simpler, you know, the simpler uh, times and yeah, and, and I think it's also eighties and nineties culture and pop culture and and what that meant to an individual person, right? And then how he shared that with the world. Yes. So and it to me, it's I mean I know a lot of people are shitting on it online because they're like, oh, it's too much nostalgia. I'm like, uh, well, that's what it's about. So if yeah. you go in expecting something else, like that's on you. And also, now more than ever, we embrace nostalgia. Like we're inundated with 80s and 90s nostalgia, and like this is the perfect time for this movie to come out. Like I feel like if it had come out any later, the the references would have been too far gone. Um, and well, it, and I think the nostalgia in this film, it's so integral to the plot of the story. Mm-hmm. Like, the story would not exist finding these the keys, keys right. are because the person who hid the keys loved stuff from the 80s. And so it had to do with that. So if it was just like, hey, we're going to take this, it's going to have nothing to do with the plot, but we're just going to throw in hell of references. Right. Where it's like, we're going to talk about this, and this character is going to drive this car just because they like it. Um, if it was stuff like that, it might feel like cheap. But right. because it literally, the plot depends on those references, it it's just, it belongs. Yep. I think I, I can also just relate because that's, that's like how I live. <laughs> it's just like pop culture references all the time. So it, I, I totally relate to it. Um, for me, I so we like B said, uh, we went and saw Ready Player One, which I loved. Spielberg is my favorite director of all time. So I went in with high expectations, especially because I like the book. And I came out very pleased. I'm, I really am excited to own the movie already. Uh, I've been watching through Santa Clarita Diet Season 2, which we talked about on the last episode. I'm nearly done now, and it's just delightful. Uh, that show is so good. I can't believe it almost didn't get renewed because that's insane to me. Uh, Timothy Oliphant I, is still just my favorite. He's too good. He's so good. And, like, him and Drew together are just yeah. perfect. I I can't believe, like, how... Actually, that whole family, the their chemistry yeah. and, like, how they ba- bounce off each other is fantastic. Uh, and then, like I said at the top of the episode, it was WrestleMania, so I pretty much just plugged into wrestling all weekend. Uh, if you are not in that scene, what happens... Uh, WrestleMania is on Sunday, but... Pretty much every wrestling event and promoter in the world goes to whatever city WrestleMania is in, and there were probably like 50-plus shows in New Orleans this weekend, so me and a buddy uh, just bought a bunch of them and watched as much as we could. So I have been watching wrestling for pretty much like four days in a row, Uh, but it was awesome, it was great, and it was nice to get away from it and watch something genre-related. I had never seen April Fool's Day. I did actually just watch it today, so it's very fresh on my mind. Uh, It came out in 1986, so we're going to move into that now. The synopsis is, nine college students staying at a friend's remote island mansion begin to fall victim to an unseen murderer over the April Fool's Day weekend. So, um, did you get... I got hardcore Harper's Island vibes. Uh, yeah, for sure. Just because, like, the, like, they're kind of, like, upper middle class, yeah, and they're and going, going to an island, and, like, the, taking the boat out there. Yeah, and I got like... that. The part that was, like, a little bit confusing when you watch this is that they kind of paint these people, not kind of, some of them, they don't know each other, mm-hmm. and some of them are more, like, acquaintances right. of Muffy's, and so you're kind of like, why are they here? Like, are they just here because it's, like, an cool to go to like a hella nice house on like an island probably yeah so that was like the only it did like definitely have harper's island vibes 
Besides the fact that, like, not everybody was, like, tight-knit. Yes. They were all strangers. That was, like, the first thing I thought when I was yeah. watching it. I was like, ooh, this totally reminds me. If you guys have never seen Harper's Island, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, It is on CW Seed. Oh, so, okay. So, CW Seed, it was a really fun one-season, like, murder mystery, like, <sighs> slasher murder mystery. That aired, like, on ABC in the summer. Yeah. And it was, oh, it was so perfect for summer. Like, it just, it was just such a fun, like... Summer that. camp vibe, yeah. but not like it was adults and like yeah. it was a who done it. Like there was a basically like a murder a week. It was really yeah. Good. So it was a murder a week, and they did a really cool marketing thing. Which in the time when this came out, which was like two thousand seven, yeah, yeah something somewhere in that range, was really kind of not done. So they had like the whole cast out, and I think they late they've done this with like Walking Dead like later on, but in this time. They had all the cast, and then you would vote on who you think was going to get killed off that week. And yeah. then you could, like, be entered to win, like, oh, yeah. merch from the show mm-hmm. if you guess right. Um, so that was always really fun because you'd go up there, and you could read, like, the bios on everybody. And you could guess, and then each week people would get crossed off. So I remember, like, being able to be, like, interactive with the show pre-Twitter and pre, like, you know, you felt a part of it, but where now, I mean, you have Facebook and Twitter where you can talk about yeah. all this stuff. Then you couldn't really, like, you didn't know if other people were watching it unless you went on, like, message boards for websites, which I did, but not a lot of people did. But yeah. I used to go on, like, message boards all the time and talk about TV because I had nobody else to talk to it about, so. Um, so, yeah, if you if you like April Fool's Day, go check out Harper's Island because it's probably yeah. something that you would definitely enjoy. Uh so, April Fool's Day came out March 28th, 1986, so right before April 1st. Same year as Slaughter High, by the way, I noticed when I was filling mm-hmm. this out today. So, it was the same year, and there's a lot of similarities. They're very different movies, but there are a lot of similarities between April Fool's Day and um, Slaughter High that I... Like, so the ending, which we won't get to yet, but the ending is kind of similar. And, mm-hmm. and then um, the huge cast... I was like, the cast is massive. It's, I mean, yeah. it's nine friends, but there's also like um, a deckhand, a boat captain, um, a deputy, and then the nine friends. So it feels very big. It's, it's not like because it's like once you get into the '90s and stuff, and even like Halloween. No, so like most like teen slashers, I feel were like here's a group of like four or five mm-hmm. really good friends, and they'd usually be like. There's usually, like, five really good friends and that one friend that everyone's like, who is this person? What's their story? You know, sometimes they're the killer, sometimes they're not. But anytime, like, you get above that, like, I, I feel like nine's a big cast. And I found myself in this movie going, like, who's that? Like, who's that again? I forget. Especially cause, because other than Muffy, all of the women were blonde. Yeah, I actually felt, like, with this movie, and I think it's because it takes a lot of time with the characters... I didn't have a hard time, like, I don't know their names, but I know all the, of them distinctly from each other. I definitely, like, halfway through, I was like, okay, yes, yes, yes. There was only one. Because they all Nan, had... who was, like, the one that they played the, like, crying baby tape for. Yeah, that like, was the, the teacher one. I, like, one. I know this one. The one who was, like, the, the bookworm who, like, brought yes. all her homework. Yeah. Yes. See, they all had, like, pretty specific stereotypes yes. assigned to them. Hardcore. It made it easier to... Be like, oh, so she's, like, the nerd who, like, brought her homework to study. And, and you have, like, the class. Yeah, you have, like, the class clown. Mm-hmm. And so they all kind of had these stereotypes. Like, he's going to be, like, he's, like, this slacker who wants to be a doctor. Like, kind of have all those people. So it made it easier for me to be, like, oh. But that's how I was calling him. I'm, like, oh, what, what happened to that, like, nerdy chick? The one with the homework lady. Like, that's what that I was Homework like, lady. The homework lady. Where'd she go? That's how you assigned it. Yeah. Uh, it was $5 million to make, made about $12.9 million, so actually technically successful. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard before or if we've mentioned it on the podcast, but usually for a movie to be successful, it has to do double its budget because usually its budget doesn't include, like, all the marketing and everything. So it needs to make double what its budget was to be successful. So this was technically successful, also in 1986, so not bad off such a minuscule budget. The reception wasn't great, 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, All Movie, though, did an article 
where they went back and like reviewed slashers and they said it stands out as a fairly restrained exercise in the 80s teen slasher genre more roller coaster thrills than most slasher flicks with five times the gore which i thought was a really weird quote because i found trivia on this movie that said since it was so light on gore it was usually aired um in airplanes a lot so it became a cult classic because it was like it became an airplane movie oh my god that's amazing so i don't know because i mean there's some there's some decent stuff but i also didn't think it was very gory there's that like eye gouge scene with buck well yeah but i mean this quote saying that it's more roller coaster thrills than gore no, but it says more roller coaster thrills than most slasher flicks with five times the gore. Yeah, those slasher flicks have five times the gore. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, what are you talking about? They're saying Smart. that it doesn't have the gore. Got it. That makes sense then. There's like. It's more thrilling than gore. Yeah. Got it. Which is perfect definition. Yes. It really uh, is. Yeah, it really. It's it's mostly it's focuses a, on the mystery and like who done it aspect yeah. of it. The poster is pretty iconic. If you're into the mm-hmm. horror like genre, you'll definitely see the poster quite a bit. It's um, it's Muffy, essentially, and she is in front of her friends who are all at a dinner table, and she's holding up a glass to toast them. She has a knife behind her back, and her hair is a noose. It's like braided into a noose. Yeah. This poster is really awesome. Um, it's really well designed. I mean, you have like Muffy with like the new sprayed as like your focal point. She's cheersing to all of her friends, and it's actually them, which is cool. Like you can see each of the characters like at the table, and uh, it gives you this idea that like something's off with her and something's off with the party because she's hiding the knife behind her back. Um, which I think adds, like, if her hair was just the noose, it'd be, like, a little bit more, huh, what's that about? But because she's hiding the knife in one hand and cheersing with the champagne in the other hand, you're like, oh, okay. Like, I see what's happening here. And then it's kind of, like, has, like, a loose frame around it with the, um, the tagline, guess who's going to be the life of the party. Um, the typesetting of April Fool's Day and the text that they use is so generic so like super generic hey let's let's do this like slasher type font which is funny because the other font that they're using it looks like they're using futura which wasn't i don't see on posters a lot from this era so that's typeset really well so it's kind of disappointing that the april fool's day is just so generic um i mean the new there is a noose in the film um and so i it's not it's a really cool image and it's a really well designed poster so I, I I love it for that reason it's connection to the film itself on that part it's like a little weird but everything else I think is great because it truly is about her inviting all these people here and I um, like the it's illustrated right well it's like photorealism photorealism it's probably a photograph that then somebody like painted over did some kind of effect it's a very 80s thing to see and then i like that the characters in it are you can tell who that character in the movie is like you have your like jokester you have your guy who's like trying to be on wall street um you have um you're kind of like slacker it you can you get an idea who the characters are and like b said they're actually those characters by the poster which is cool because i feel like that doesn't always happen yeah like a lot of times you just get like generic face shots mm-hmm. or you get like a cast and then you're like but those people aren't even in the movie so yeah there's like it'll just be like a picture of a generic group of people yeah it has hella taglines uh, like you said it has a cut above the rest or a cut above the rest is on the bottom of that poster that she was just talking about and then at the top it's the guess who's going to be life of the party other taglines included uh last one out a goner which is weird because that makes it sound like it's a game childish pranks turn into a bloody battle for survival uh one is just april fools with like eight o's and nine l's in it and then the last one was don't let the joke be on you I'm not in love with any of them, really. None of them relate to the movie, to me. A cut above the rest is not... It's only relating to the poster because of the knife, because the knife is not, like, a huge focal point of the movie. Guess who's going to be the life of the party? Like, they party the first night before any deaths happen. 
it's not like the deaths are happening at the party. And then they wake up the next morning and then she's, they start doing the killing during the day. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess don't let the joke be on you would probably be the most appropriate one. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, that would be the one that is like most... Um, and I feel like that childish pranks turn into a bloody battle for survival as like a DVD tagline to like get you to kind of really know what the movie's about. Yes. So it's effective in that way. It's really long. I'm not a huge fan of super long taglines. Yeah, but like I said, I think that's more of like a, a synopsis tagline almost. Right, like people to put are on like, the cover. what is this? Yeah. It has no sequels. There was a directed DVD 2007, very, very, very loose remake. Which Ryan has seen. I have seen that, yes. I had never seen this, but I had seen that. I'm pretty sure Scout Taylor Compton is in it, which is why I watched it. There was a period where I was like, she's a babe, and I'm going to watch everything she's in. I forgot to mention that the director of Very Bad Things, that's his first film. Guess what his second film is? I have no idea. The Rundown. Oh, with The Rock? With The Rock. I like that movie. Yeah. Yes, Scout Taylor Thompson is in that movie, and so is <clears throat> no one else important. No, who's that guy? Remember? Josh Henderson. Generic. Yeah. Generic guy. I know him. You're typing too loud. Whatever. You asked me a question. I can't help how loud I type. You can. Type softer. Okay. Well, I don't know. Josh Henderson. I don't know who he is, but... I know him from something. It was... Just so you all know. That one is actually more of a true slasher, um, as this one is not really, as we'll get to. But yeah, no sequels. Uh, Charles Bernstein did the score, which he is most well known for Nightmare on Elm Street. He also did Cujo and the Entity, so he did a lot of horror work in the 80s. As I was watching this, I thought to myself, I, was, I thought to myself, this is a good score. Uh-huh. I bet this guy does a lot of horror yeah. movies. Yeah, it was a good score. Because it's sure. very appropriate. Like, the high, like he hits those crescendos at the high points. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very good at, like, he kind of does, like, the building, yeah. like, building tension when, like, they're looking around. Um, yeah, there was a few times that, like, I wasn't looking or I was doing something or drinking coffee or whatever, and then I'd hear the score and I'd be like, shit, what I missed? Did I miss something? Like, if I, like, looked down for a second. So, it's like one of those where you're like, oh, no, the music's, like, trying to tell you something. And I thought, I always think, like, a, like a sign of a good composer is someone who can handle different situations and not make it discordant. So, like, when you have something that starts like this, where you have a bunch of, like, teenagers going to an island, and they're partying, and they're having fun, and then it starts turning into this kind of, like, murder mystery. Uh, Sometimes you watch movies, and, like, the composer knows how to do one and not the other, so you'll get, like, what is this song playing, like, while they're all partying? And it's, like, really weird, and uh, Bernstein doesn't do that. He's very good at, like, being able to bounce around. Like B said, he can tell the story with the music, which is, I mean... I wouldn't expect any less from the guy who did A Nightmare on Elm Street because that's a fantastic score. I listen, I actually listen to that score just like on its own all the time. It's on my, I have a Spotify playlist with it on there, so does not surprise me. I haven't heard his score for Cujo or The Entity because, I mean, I have, but I haven't watched those movies in years, so I don't really recall them. Um, Fred Walton is the director. He also did When a Stranger Calls, both of them, which is really weird to me. I haven't seen the original. I haven't either. I've only seen one on with Camilla Bell. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think the guy who plays Terminator, or T2, is the villain in that. But I've I've never seen the original. I've heard it's very good. You will have to watch it. I want to watch them now back to back and see if it's like a shot by shot remake. All I remember about the remake was, like, was there a, a room with like a garden inside of it, inside the house, which I thought was really weird. And then just the line where she's like, what do you want? And he's like, I want your blood all over me. And I was like, okay. And I said that all the time to people after that movie for like two years. You would. Yeah. (laughs) Because I I thought that line was good. I just remember watching that and that was in the height of like her drama with Taylor Swift and Joe Jonas. And so I just had such a disdain for her because she stole... Joe from Taylor Swift. You would let that affect. <laughs> and it, it really <laughs> affected much? my judgment because I was like, man. And then, you know, Taylor wrote a song about how she just like is like a mattress, is like on much, basically called it out on, as a slut in Ooh, one of her songs. Come so on. come on, T Swift. We yeah. don't slut shame here. Oh, yeah. T Swift does. So, yeah. 
That's that's what I took away. That's that's uh, your thought process. That that was my thought process when I watched that film. So yeah, Fred Walton has done two pretty iconic, uh, what are considered slasher movies, mm-hmm. and then uh, I don't know how to say this name. Danilo Danilo Bach is the writer. Didn't do anything else except for the very successful Beverly Hills Cop with Eddie Murphy series. All of them, one, two, and three. Wow. Those were huge movies. They were massive movies. So that's probably why that's all he's ever done. Probably. He's probably yeah. like, cool. I'm gonna I don't rip- need to do anything yeah, else. Yeah. My great grandchildren will be wealthy. And it's weird too because I don't see any of that in this <laughs> at all. I this movie is I haven't seen Beverly Hills Cop in a in a while. Yeah, I mean, I it hasn't been that long because Ben is a fan, but I mean probably like six years or so. It's, well, I mean, like, that movie is, like, an out-and-out comedy. This yeah. movie is, like, this movie, to me, when I watched it, seriously, was this is what people think of when they think of 80s slashers movies. They think of, like, very attractive people having sex, being raunchy, getting killed. Mm-hmm. There was so much of it that I saw, like, the trappings of what became the stereotype of slashers. Not the not necessarily what the actual tropes of a slasher movie are, but what like when other things are staging slashers or m- not mocking them, but like calling back to them. This reminds me of like what that idea is. None of this cast did anything. That's not true. Except Biff's in it. Except Biff from Back to the Future. That was the only one. Thomas F. Wilson as Ark or Arch, depending on who's saying his name. Who played Biff in Back to the Future and that has been in tons of things in millions of TV shows since then. He is the only one. Deborah Foreman did some stuff in the 80s. She was actually, she plays Muffy slash Buffy. You heard me right. That's Muffy and then Buffy. She played, she was in (laughs) Waxwork, which is another really, really fantastic horror movie. She was in Valley Girl, which was incredibly popular in the 80s. Um, Real Genius, which is a comedy movie about Kilmer. So she was very well known in the 80s, pretty much dropped off. Everyone else did nothing. Jay Baker as Harvey was in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Pat Barlow as Clara was in 21 Jump Street. And so was Deborah Goodrick as Nikki. The show? Yeah, the the show. Um, 90210. Pretty much all of them were in TV. That's, that's all they ever did was like TV and TV movies. So Biff will definitely be the most successful person you see coming out of April Fool's Day. Was this, and this was during the same time after the first Back to the Future? After. Yeah. Because Back to the Future was 85? I'm going to type again loud, sorry. Back to the Future was 85. Yeah, yeah so that's it's, what I thought. So it was probably filmed around the same time. He probably hadn't, I'm guessing Back to the Future hadn't like got successful by the time he was cast in this. Who knows? Because it seems like something you wouldn't, it seems like a step down. You think? Yeah. Like maybe a little bit? Yeah, from like the most, one of the most iconic sci-fi slash comedies of all time to April Fool's Day, which is, uh, I mean, we it's a cult slasher slash holiday theme slasher. So that is uh, what I would classify it as. I guess like a whodunit to mystery. It's, that, I, it's more of a mystery than a slasher. Yes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Yeah, you're correct in that assessment. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Um, no iconic weapon. There's no weapons used. There's no killing. No. Yeah, so... You don't see any kills. Yeah, so... Which we're gonna get into. Yeah, so we're getting into the killer. So the killer is Muffy slash Buffy. <laughs> I'm fine with the name Buffy. I'm not in love with the name Muffy. I kind of love it. It's... What is it? I don't... No, they make it, they talk about it in the film, like, is Muffy her formal name? Because my name's Harvey, but I go by Hal, and I just thought Muffy would be a nickname, like Muffin, and then they name off really ridiculous names that is, a name could be. Okay, is Buffy a form, like, something short for something? I don't think it is, right? It's just, but I think it is a nickname of some, like, really weird name. I think I've read that before, that it's, like, a nickname of a, a name, but... But they, they don't, But like, oh, it they don't make, sound similar. Yeah, but it's it, like it'd be Dick like, being a nickname for Richard. Yes, exactly. When you're like, how'd that? Or happen? even like, I mean, I don't think I don't know why Hal is for, for Harvey. Harvey, yeah. I, yeah. Why not Harv? Yeah, that makes <laughs> way more sense. I don't know. 
So Muffy slash Buffy is the, is the, in quotes, you can't see it, it's a podcast, but in quotes, killer. He's air quoting. The The backstory is, you find out, and that's why I was saying it's, it reminded me of Slaughter High. Well, at the end of Slaughter High, you basically find out it was all a dream, and none of the killings happened. This isn't a dream, but you find out that it's all one big prank. That Muffy slash Buffy, her real name is Muffy. Yes, Muffy yes. is her. Buffy, Buffy is, is her the twin actual sister. name. Yeah, Buffy is the twin sister that she doesn't actually have. But you find out that Muffy has invited these friends and acquaintances because she is she has inherited her parents' estate, but she is going to turn it into a bed and breakfast, but not any normal bed and breakfast. It's one where you go murder for mystery. a murder mystery, for, but like a really intensive murder mystery. One that we would go to. Yeah, uh, I would 100% do that. Yes. So the whole plot basically, I mean, these nine friends show up and they pick. But there is a motive for the foe killing. No, there is a hundred percent. Like the motive is it's she wants pretty to good. see. No, I agree. Yeah. The motive is she wants to see if it's successful. If like she can actually do this. Right, but what we think when we're watching it is that she ha- Muffy has right. a psycho twin sister who's been locked up in an institution. Mm-hmm. For the last three years, and she's escaped, and we find out, because all day Saturday, well, I'm assuming it's Saturday, say they come up on a Friday, they party, the next day, Muffy is acting super fucking weird, like really weird. Yeah. And, um, like, our final girl and final guy, like, are, like, finding all these clues, and there's, like, a picture of these two girls in the study, and Muffy acts really weird when she stumbles upon it, and then we come to find out that she's her it's Buffy it's been Buffy this whole time and she's like chasing after them and she's the Buffy's been the one doing all the killing and it's her psycho twin sister right that's not real but that is the motive of the faux slasher yes of like the murder mystery that she sets up which is cool too because like she's littered like clues pretty much in every room in the house and it kind of makes it seem like so okay that was a question I had so at the end of the movie, you come down to your final girl and guy, which I can't remember which ones they are. I'm so sorry. Just the names. The don't... doctor and the it, girlfriend. I think it's Harv and... No. Harv is the, like... Oh, Harv is the... Like, la- the Harvard guy. Oh, yeah. He's, like, the last to die. Okay. Um, to quote, unquote, die. So it's Rob and Kit, maybe? I don't know. I don't know their names. Or Clara. It's a girl it's with, like, the feathered yeah, hair. Well, if yeah. I was in the 80s, that's what my hair would look think like. It, yeah. So, you come... So, they... Basically, they think that Buffy is trying to kill them. They open the door to, the, like, the foyer, and all of her friends who she thinks are dead are, like, in there, hanging out. Just, like, they're all just doing, like, their own thing. And then they tell her April Fool's. And then Muffy explains what's happening. Where her... I... I felt like her friends weren't aware of what was happening when they came there for the weekend. They were not. She explains that. So, okay, that's yeah. what I thought. So, the so only ones who knew were her cousin. Her. Who she invited. No, well, I mean, he's actually her twin brother. Oh, yeah, her yes. twin. Yeah. Who she invited. Yes. He knew. And then the deputy and the deckmate and the. Yeah, captain. like the, okay. the, the non friends right. all knew. And her twin brother, who she said was her cousin, right. they all knew. Everybody else, they didn't find out until she went to kill them. And then she was like, hey, I'm, we're going to set up this kill. Like, th- this is all a joke. I'm so sorry. Like, you weren't in on it. Like, you want to help me. And they were all like, oh, yeah, hell yeah. Let's do it. Okay, cool. That's, yes. what, I, that's what I thought. And yes. I just wanted to make sure because so, I was like, oh, none of them knew. No, but then the only drama kind of of it, which is why she apologizes to Homework Lady, is... Damn. Yeah, yeah, is that the things she left in the drawers, like those clues, were actually pretty personal to the people. Yes, and because hers was about Nan's abortion. Yes, and so uh, she like apologized for making it too personal. Gotcha, okay. That makes sense then. Yeah. Um, so the body count is technically none. Nobody gets killed. Nobody dies. <laughs> but if you were to count the faux killings, um, the first would be Skip, who's murdered off screen. He's found later when um, your final guy and girl are trying to have sex in a boathouse, and he floats under them. Pretty cool. It, it's it's cool. I just he's petrified like when he does it, mm-hmm. so he's like 
he's like stuck. His hands are like claws, and he doesn't move at all, which I thought was kind of funny. It's all gray. He's like all gray, but it was a cool scene. Like I, th- yeah. I like the shot. Uh, Arch or Ark is killed off screen after. So he goes looking for Skip. Like they run back and they're like, "Have you guys seen Skip? We think he's messing with us." And they're like, "Actually, we haven't seen him since last night." So they all go looking for him, and Arch goes out in the woods, and he. Um, that was another thing Muffy ends up apologizing for. He's caught in this trap, like one of those classic cartoon snares where, like, the rope's on the ground and it lifts him up into the trees. There's this fucking snake there. I'm afraid of snakes. Like, really deathly afraid of snakes. And I was not a fan of this scene in the movie because I don't, I just don't like snakes. And I, it was like, there's this snake coiled there striking at him. Was it real? I don't know. But it looked real. No. And it creeped me the fuck out, and I didn't like it. Ben and that... told me exactly how they did it, why we watched the scene. He's really annoying to watch movies with sometimes. <laughs> I just, I was like, I don't, that's not funny to me. <laughs> like, I would not be okay with that prank. And also, she apologizes to him, like, oh, I didn't know there'd be a snake out there, but was not a fan of that because it actually creeped me out because snakes are scary and they shouldn't exist. I'm sure they do something, like, ecologically right for the planet, but I'm not a fan of snakes. So, Arch is killed off-screen, and then Nan is killed off-screen, um, and then Nikki finds them because the water at the estate has turned off. So, Nikki goes, Nikki and Harv wow. go to the well. Nikki falls in, and Skip and Arch's head are in there as well as, like, Nan's whole body. So, they find, this is when, like, they d- discover, quote-unquote again, that... There's a killer! That there's a killer, which we later find out Muffy has a friend from Hollywood who's really good at special effect or practical effects. Yeah. And has brought all these, like, dummy heads. Um, Chaz is then killed off screen after he tries to get Nikki to have sex with him while they're all worried about being murdered. Um, he has, like, a... I don't... What is that bag she, like, he puts on his head? Larson, it's not a bag. It's, like, an S&M suit. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> When she threw it at him, I was like, is that like a clutch? <laughs> like, and he was like, whoa. I thought he was like messing nope. with her. Nope. Oh. Is it like an S&M mask? Oh, so he puts the S&M mask on. Yeah. And she's like getting ready to leave. She comes back in the room and he's just laying there with his hands. This scene was so weird. She's laying there with, he's laying there with his hands over his penis. <laughs> like, like with them like, like crossed though, yeah, like politely. Like, like cupped. Like yeah. polite. Like it's like when you cover it, like if you were to be naked, you're like, oh, like you got caught and you're covering it. That's what he's like. She's sitting there and he's like, oh, what, you you expect me to just come over there and sit on it? And then she's like, what is this, a game of you show me yours, I'll show you mine? Well, you might as well put it away. And then she moves his hands and there's this like little tiny stab mark. Yeah. And then like a little bit of blood. And I was like, is his penis gone? Like, I know, what? I thought, I was like, oh yeah, they like... Cut off his penis for sure. That I was think my... that's the insinuation. Yeah, uh, but I, it's never. But his like really pants explained. were a bit like zipped up and like not. Yeah, fit. no, his pants were zipped up, and it's not a lot of blood either. It's just like this little dash of blood. I was like, I don't know what's happening. And then the door creaks open. Someone comes in. Nikki screams, and she's dead. Also killed off screen. The last one killed off screen is Harvey, who is just hung. Um, his hanging was pretty brutal though when they run in on it because his feet are fucking tied up behind his back too. Mm-hmm. So. That was, I thought that was pretty brutal. And then that's it. And that's all the fake killings. And your clue that it's not real is that we don't see any of the kills. Right. Like, as soon as it, it, it that comes to the realization, like, Ben looked at me and he's like, I should have guessed earlier. Because he's you pretty good at, like, telling what's going to happen in a movie. And he shares those ideas. He's like, this is what's going to happen. And he's like, yeah, that should have been, like, because we weren't seeing any of them. That was, like, your clue that was a prank. Part of what I like about this movie, though, is it's so much suspense because you don't know what's a prank and what's real the whole time. Mm -hmm. Not just with the killings, because you do kind of assume those are real. Um, But a lot of the things that, I mean, the house is, like, rigged. It's basically, like, a prank house. It's a prank house. Prank after prank after prank. And so it's, like, never ending. There's, like, little things like dribble cups, whoopee cushions, like, chairs that fold in on themselves so you fall out of them. Faucets that spray. Yeah, so you never know it is, like, a booby-trapped prank Yeah, and it causes, like, a bit of suspense because you're not sure if what's about to happen is just a prank or if it's going to be something dangerous. 
Right. And they're also, like, all weirdly obsessed with pranking each other. Yeah. Like, they're all super into it. The scene where they, the very first scene where they're at the dinner party and they're, like, pranking each other at the table, everyone is, well, like, Well, even on the boat laughing. on the way there, mm-hmm. when they prank each, there's two pranks in that. There's the prank where they're, like, he accidentally stabs mm-hmm. Skip, and then the boat guy. Yeah, Buck. Yeah. He so gets slammed They in don't the even corner. get to the prank house, and there's two massive pranks. Yeah, so it's... I would, like, defriend all of those people immediately. Oh I do God, not yes. like pranks. I, I can deal with, like, maybe one. No. It reminded me of that episode of The Office where Dwight keeps hitting Jim with snowballs. So by the end of the episode, he's become, like, paranoid. And he, like, he goes out and there's all... Dwight has built, like, 20 snowmen. And he's so afraid that one of them is Dwight waiting to throw snowballs at him. That's what I would feel like in that house. Just, like, on edge all the time. I'd just be super fucking angry the whole time. It's like when I was in high school and I fell asleep around my friends. And I could never never sleep comfortably because I was always (laughs) just worried that I would wake up... She, like, because stuff things on did on me. happen Yeah, exactly, because things happened to me. Take off your shoes, Ryan. I put... Oh, my God. I your put, shoes were on. I went and took them off that night. Yeah, and then they put them back on. <laughs> well, I wasn't in charge of that. So, uh, there is no kill in the movie, so um, I I don't have a... Fa- I guess my favorite, if there had to be... Like if a I had favorite pick, setup or faux kill. Probably... It's not even a kill, but the boat was pretty good. Like, that guy's pretty gross after his eyes hanging out. Mm-hmm. Buck. Um, with that I liked one. the stab one. Like, the one on the boat. The very first oh, one. Oh, the very first one? Because yeah. it truly is, like, they are playing with an actual knife. And you don't expect... I just wasn't expecting something to happen on the boat. Well, it's so early before in the movie. The, and it's super yeah. early in the movie. And it's and the movie sets you up where you're, you're like, 90% positive it's Muffy. Yes. Because of how it sets up. Like, you're mo- you're like, they might trick me, which, I mean, they did with it being your twin sister. But you're pretty sure she's the killer. Yeah, I mean, it so, starts with this really weird scene. The whole movie starts with this scene where she's, like, in the basement. She finds this jack-in-the-box. Basically, you find out why she's so obsessed with pranks is her parents pranked her as a yeah. kid. It's like this creepy-ass jack-in-the-box where she does it and instead of, like... First of all, a clown popping out isn't much better. But, like, instead of a clown popping out, it's, it's like just... A, like, monster. Yeah, it's this really weird monster. I was like, where the fuck did they get it that? It also looks way more modern. Yeah. Like, to me, I was like, that almost looks like they put that in later. Like, it doesn't... Oh, it yeah. looks way more no, recent it, no, than it, the 80s. It's kind of weird. Yeah, no, it, it did look weird. Um, But, like, they set you up to, like... Yeah, because like, then she's like, oh, I hope it's going to be a party to remember something like yeah. that. Um, so to me, when the whole, like, throwing the knife and it hits him in the stomach, I'm like, oh, damn. Like, okay, I wasn't expecting that. And it's not a kill, but it's my favorite, like, prank, I guess. Yeah, I guess we'll have to pick favorite prank for this. Yeah. So mine will be the boat, um, because I enjoy the eye busting out of his head scene. And I just liked the, like, true shock of that first one with the knife. Um, it's positioned in the horror landscape. It's, it's very cult- it's very hard to find. They've never done, like, a Blu-ray release of it. You, I mean, hard to own. You can get it on Amazon. It looks good on Amazon. Yeah, it does. Yeah. The transfer is really good. It's really good. Um, and it's only, it's like, It's not like curtains. Oh, no. No, no, no. Um, I, I thought that, too. Like, it looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very well known because of its ending. Um, it's, yeah. I feel like it's definitely, I mean, being a holiday-themed movie helps, yeah. Um, because, you know, us horror fans love our holiday-themed movies. And it's pretty much the only April Fool's Day one other than Slaughter High. But I think that I hear more about the ending than anything. Like, about how it ended up no one died. <clears throat> so I think it's well known for that, but it's still not... It's not, like, a staple. No. Yeah. I mean, like I said... I think it's well... I think it's one of those sort of fringe ones where it's not, like, blood rage cult status. It is pretty well known. Like, this, I watch it for the first time, like I've talked about, like, when my, I first started getting into, like, older slasher films. April Fool's Day, yeah. Yeah, it's I think one of it's, the first ones I watched. It's once you get through your, like, your round of, like, the most well-known. Yeah. April Fool's Day is usually easy to find on that mm-hmm. list of, like, what's next. Yeah. It's like and once so, you get through your Halloweens and your nightmares, April Fool's Day is, yeah. like, it's, like, right around Black Christmas level of, like, oh, it's right right yeah. there with that kind of notoriety of a slasher. Because I definitely, like, 
I mean, it is one of the ones that I watched pretty early on. And I remember, I mean, I really liked it. It's been, this was nice because I had forgotten a lot because it's probably been 10 years since I've seen it. Um, I definitely watched it, like, in high school. Um, and like I said, when I was first really starting to, like, die, I'd gone through the whole night. I did, exactly. I went through Halloween. I watched all the nightmares. And so then I was just like, oh, my God, I need, this is it? I'm done? Like, mm-hmm. watch all of the Friday the 13th. So that's when I started getting into, like, that sub level. And this was part of it. So it's, yeah. It's well known. It's not, you don't have to yeah. dig as deep as curtains. That's for damn sure. Man, the longer we get away from curtains, the more I like it. Um, like, that movie stays with you. Yeah, no, it does. I think That's there's good. a reason why the people who have seen it talk about it. Yeah, because so you just—it's just such a fascinating movie. Um, overall, I like this movie. Mm-hmm. I really like it's. It's fun. Like yeah. it, it, it is a lot of fun. The cast is fun. It, it's it's well acted. No, and it, it is, and it's super of its time. It reminds me. It's very much like kind of an eighty sex comedy like it's a raunchy sex thing mm-hmm. mixed with a slasher yeah especially the first like quarter of the movie like really when they're like getting there and like arch says his whole goal is to bed as many women as possible and like the first night they're there we see nikki and like chip doing like oh oh my god the their most... sex scene is so hilarious their sex scene is so like they're they're, they're doing like, some tangled pos- they're yeah. just tangled the up position together position they're in looks nowhere near comfortable and like it's not supposed to either. Like, you can tell neither of them are comfortable. They're experimenting with positions. But it's really funny, too, because it's, like, squeaky, and then they open the door, and they stop, and they're, like, in that funny position, and then um, Arc, like, closes the door, and then they keep going, and I just, just cracked up. I was yeah. like, that's amazing. Uh, to, not just to walk on, walk in on people having sex, but to walk into people having sex like that yeah. is just too good. That position was, like, I didn't, when, the, when you first see it, I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> How and then like when it showed him again, I was like, "Oh, I get it. Like, like I how get the bodies how are, but like it doesn't seem comfortable at all." <laughs> um, and there's no nudity. Um, it like there's like allusions to sex, like heavy allusions to sex, but there's not any nudity. Nope. Like uh, like I said, there's not a lot of gore. So they managed to still keep in tone with like slasher genre stuff without really leaning. They just into never their go nose. there. Exactly. Yeah. They like allude to it, and they like tease you with it i mean there's a scene it's very like tv movie it's super tv movie which makes sense because the director did a ton of tv movies yeah um this is like there's exactly a, what would succeed and maybe that was his the writer's plan behind it they wanted to make sure they got picked up by i don't know whoever like a network or something a network yeah thing. Uh, that was one of the things i found uh deborah goodrich who plays nikki began reading a cosmo wait does she play nikki i don't want to where's the cast I don't want to be completely off here. Yeah, she plays Nikki. Um, what? No. Yeah. Oh, they're both named Deborah. Yeah, Deborah Goodrick plays Nikki. She began reading a Cosmo questionnaire to her co-stars, um, which elicited a huge conversation that caught the attention of Fred uh, Fred Walton. So, if you watch the movie, there is a scene where they're reading Cosmo, and like this is the kind of like eighties like kind of sex stuff. It's all about like what thing have you never done, but you're most excited to try. <laughs> and so she like goes through, and it's like. You know, oral and what do they call it? Like an anal encounter or something oh, like God. that. It's like something really weird. That's like amazing. Lesbian sex, yeah. An anal encounter. It's not, it's not. It's not anal sex. Like it says, like an anal something. And I was like, oh, okay. Can't say anal sex. Got it. <laughs> Got it. I really need to check with Brendan. Make sure this is explicit rated. Like I keep I forgetting. I feel like we bring up butt sex like every episode. <laughs> not every episode. I don't know. Um, but so they put that into the movie to kind of play into that. Um, so yeah, I I enjoy it. Like I think it, it's just one of. I love the premise. Like, I love going mm-hmm. to this isolated island. I love murder mysteries. Yeah, murder mysteries are so fun. It's like this isolated island. They're, island. they're all kind of rich, and, like, you don't really care about any of them because they they don't seem like great people anyways, which are the best people to root for, like, to get killed. Um, you know, your one, your final girl is kind of, like, the best of the girls, so it, like, makes sense. It's it's fun. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I yes. had a lot of fun with it. Um so our list right now currently is 13 movies, I think. No, this is 12. This will be 12. Okay, 11 movies. Um, number one is still My Bloody Valentine from 1981, followed by Happy Death Day, Urban Legend, My Bloody Valentine 3D from 2009, Hatchet, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Most Likely to Die, Blood Rage, 
Curtains, Terror Train, and number 11 is Slaughter High. Um, this is a tough one for me. Because um... it's not a true slasher, but it does a lot of things right in the genre. It does, like, but... Like, it, it does do... It like, sets you up for it, but it never takes you there. Right. So, I mean, it does, like, it does, for me, like, this is the perfect age for me. I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, college-age students. Mm-hmm. Um, because then, like, some things that, to me, it always just makes it a little more believable. And but then... I just never, like, I don't love the whole... I like high school, but... There's something about watching 30-year-olds play 16-year-olds and, like, having them have sex that I'm just like, hmm, I don't really want to watch that. Yeah. Um, and so it does that, like, for me, and then the whodunit is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no killings. I think it has to go last. I think I like this movie more. But do you think... I like it more than other movies, including Slaughter High, and I think it works in some ways better... But because there's because. actually no slashing, there's no killing, um, it, it's kind of hard to rank as a successful slasher. Mm-hmm. Do you think... I think if we got like Slaughter High, where we actually got to see the kills, right. and they it, did it the pranks more elaborate, it would be above it. But instead, it just all ha- happens off camera, when I think they could have found ways, like they did with the knife and the boat... To make it look like right, real, right? Without and the only other one is like kind of like the almost like post credit sting of the fake kill at the yes. end. Yeah, exactly. Why didn't they do that in the actual movie? So, because in the movie you only get like three actual. Because there's the boat, and then there's the stabbing on the boat, and then at the very end of the movie, it looks like um, Nan Nan stabs. Or slices the throat um, of Muffy's Muffy. throat, but you find out it, once again it's a it's a prop knife. Um, I kind of have to agree with you. I really like want to put it above Slaughter High, but you're right. Like if we could have seen more of the killings, because they're similar in the fact that like none of the killings actually happen. Yes, and even Terror Train, we don't see a lot of the killings. Correct, but we still see some. Yeah, and it's a little more like graphic with with its results. Because this, we don't, I mean, we don't even see, like, you know, at least in Terror Train, you see the magician, like, stab through the box. Mm-hmm. You don't see it happen necessarily, but yeah, we but see the after. Yeah. yeah. And, and the like, aftermath of mm-hmm. it. So. Uh, I know it's hard. That's why this list isn't a favorites. Right. It really, truly is. What we think is the best slasher. What we think follows the our guidelines of slashers. Is the motive good? Do they have... Um, how is the killer themselves? How is the cast? How are the um, kills? How are the kills themselves? Like, that's what makes a great slasher. And I think this is a better movie than Slaughter High and Terror Train and Curtains. But it's a better comedy mystery. It's not a better slasher. Yep. Okay. I agree. I'm fine with that. Okay. So, April Fool's Day from 1986 will be last on the list. It will be number 12. Keep in mind, like B said, because I'm sure if you just look at the list, so hopefully you listen to the show, but if you were to just look at the list. You'd be like, what the hell? Yeah, you'd be like, why is this last? It wouldn't, I agree with B. To me, it'd probably be right around 8, like Blood Rage, mm-hmm. right around there. Um, but since we don't see the act of like, the kills or even any like after effects. And they don't actually exist. Yeah, and they don't... Like, even Slaughter High, they don't exist. The kills don't exist, but the fact that we see them all and they're mm-hmm. pretty, like, graphic... I mean, it's just that the the flow of that movie is what ruined that movie. But we see the kills and we see, like, what's happening. This one, we see nothing except a few... Thi- you know, like, prop heads and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I agree. It'll be number 12. So, if you guys want... And if you can, go to keepscreaming.com slash the dash list, and you can check out our full list right there. So April Fool's Day will be our new last one, but not last in our hearts. Yes. That's the important thing to remember. We love you, April Fool's Day. Yeah, you are a very fun movie. I And someone do a Blu-ray transfer. This yeah. would be a great movie to well, own. Well, yeah, because whatever the transfer is on Amazon Prime No, it already looks really, really good. good. Yeah. Um, so it looks better. I mean, because it was filmed better in the first place, but it looks better than the Blu-ray we watched of Slaughter High. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's much better than Curtains. 
much, oh, much better. That one is rough. On Curtains it. looks like VH, yeah. like straight to video quality. Yeah. Um, so that will be it for this week. I think we're going to do Intruder. For we are our next doing one. it. Okay, we're going to do Intruder, which is the one we thought we were going to watch. No, Ryan thought we were going to watch. Right. It used to be on Hulu. It's not anymore. So you have to pay three bucks to rent it on Amazon. Um, but if you guys want to follow along and watch it before we have the next show, you can definitely do so. Uh, it's a Scott Spiegel movie and it has Sam and Ted Raimi and Bruce Campbell all in it. So that's something to entice you a little bit. I think it's super fun. It's set in a grocery store. And it has some grocery store themed kills. And if you want to see what those are, you can check it out or tune in in two weeks to hear us talk about it. Again, you can find us on iTunes, uh, Keep Screaming, as well as Stitcher and Castbox. And we are also online at ScreamingCast on Twitter and Instagram. B is at B, not B. B E E, not B E A on Twitter. And at, I'm at Ryan Larson. So you can reach out to us if you have suggestions. Um, thanks to all my writers at Gasly Grinning who tell me what movie to watch next all the time they keep saying cry wolf we will get there i promise so cry wolf is one of those ones that we hold so dearly mm-hmm. and so i feel like we're trying to avoid our personal favorites yes because also how weird is it that that's one of our personal <laughs> favorites uh it's not weird we i think if you've been listening to the show you can tell that because of our age and when we started really getting into horror we have a natural um, love just like people do for 80s slashers we right. have for millennial slashers mm-hmm. so anything made from like late 90s to mid-aughts m- yeah mid-aughts it's like right for us yeah. uh so we <sighs> we will get there yeah we're very excited about it i think we're saving it for summer um but so intruder will be our next one and that's uh from 1980 yeah. something we gotta we gotta get out of the 80s yeah. we do gotta do something there's a lot did. of there's a lot of slashers in the 80s yeah there's also a lot of movies called intruder so if you want to find the right one just google it because it's the one with sam and ted Raimi. how many 80s have we done one two this one so three four five six seven we've done seven yeah. of our 12 i know that's what i'm saying we need a break from the 80s yeah so after intruder we'll take a break from the 80s we'll figure something out if you have suggestions reach out to the us 90s are know. hard there's not a lot in no there. there's i've not tried and they're also some of our favorites yeah so it's hard to go we should really do cherry falls um that would be one of the ones but reach out to us let us know thank you guys again for listening to the show and for reaching out to us when you do and sorry that it's going up late. That was a hundred percent on me. I don't know why I thought we were watching Intruder instead of April Fool's Day. Even B's husband knew we were watching April Fool's Day. And we're trying. We've been particularly the two of us busier than we normally are. Mm-hmm. So normally we have this planned out to make sure we get these two on time. But we'd rather get to it, get it to you a day late than put up a half-ass episode yep. or not put up one at all. So. Um, just know that we're definitely trying to keep this a priority because we love it. So yes. thank you for listening. Yeah, still bi-weekly for sure. Yes. Uh, and then because I remembered, keep screaming. <laughs> <laughs>